I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chance, the co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we got Michael Solomon with us from Pulaski County, Virginia, economic developer from Pulaski County. Michael, welcome. Thank you, Chad. Thank you a lot. Tell these folks where Pulaski County is. I got the opportunity to go up there and visit with Michael and his board at a board training deal here two or three months ago. And while it's a rural county, I was shocked at how much industry was there. So just sort of tell these folks where you're located. You bet. You bet. And thank you for that. And thanks for coming up for our board retreat. We enjoyed having you up here and uh, learned a lot from you. We're on I-81, and we're about an hour from the Tennessee border, and we're about four and a half hours from Washington, D.C., and we're a day's drive from New York City and about six hours from Atlanta. One third of the U.S. population lives within a 10-hour drive of Pulaski County, Virginia. We're almost where I-81 and I-77 intersect. And then more importantly, we're about 30 minutes south of Virginia Tech's campus and we're just across the river from Radford University. And so those are our two big universities. So same interstate as Bristol, Tennessee, Chattanooga to Bristol up through there. Yeah, so you guys have a huge Volvo. Is it a truck plant, a Volvo truck plant? Talk about that plant. So every Volvo truck that you see on the road, semi-truck, was built in Pulaski County, Virginia at their Dublin, Virginia plant. They employ about 3,000 people and they produce the VNR and the VNL trucks right now for Volvo truck. And they just announced an expansion last year. They're in the middle of a 400 million, 777 job ramp up. So we're excited for that. But every truck that you see on the road was made here, all their North American trucks. Being located so close to Virginia Tech, how are they taking that Liberty loss? 
Saturday? Well, not good. Not good. I think it's been tough for them. They have such a winning tradition at Virginia Tech. I think that they had 26 bowl seasons in a row. So it was pretty tough to lose to Liberty. You know, that normally is one that they check off on their schedule as a win. I think that it's a little bit of a gut check. It sure has been for the people around here. The guys in the coffee shop have all the solutions for it. But (laughs) Well, I think Hugh Freeze, no matter all his transgressions, might end up getting another big-time job with what he's done at Liberty. Talk about the COVID relief stuff y'all are doing. You all have really helped a lot of your businesses. Talk uh, about that. We're really lucky here. Our county administrator is a guy named Jonathan Sweet. And he's been really in tune with the small businesses. And he talked to our board of supervisors. We ended up doing 210 small business grants. 50 of those were for nonprofits that were located in the county. And the other 160-ish were for small businesses. And we did everything from lawn care services to beauty salons and barbershops. And it has been tremendous. We have a small team, and we had an intern this summer whose name is Lydia Gilmer, who headed up this whole process. And it's been a really great thing that we've been able to do, really been able to impact. We did it with $5,000 loans. When you're cutting grass for a living or cutting heads of hair, that's a big impact. In Virginia, the barbers and the beauty shops were shut down for, I think, 60 days. So that's been a great thing. And we help the restaurants to be able to be more COVID friendly. And it's just been great. We took a million dollars of the CARES Act money that we had and put it into that. So we're pretty happy. And talk about in that part of Virginia. So you get into the mountains and having visited there, you've got some great sites, but talk about preparation and site development. And has your board been out proactively securing property and grading property and just talk about that whole uh, it's a lot different from us down south you know i live in new orleans where there's not a hill for 50 miles right and i worked for a mayor that used to say the only thing the land was good for was holding the earth together and we we're lucky while we are in the mountains that's actually plays to our advantage we have the largest greenhouse in the state of virginia commercial greenhouse and the terrain The weather, the sunlight, the wind, all of those factors, this is one of the best places in the world to put a greenhouse. They have 18 acres under roof right now, and when they're totally completed, they'll have over 28 acres. That has been a huge advantage to us. We have a very large industrial park called Commerce Park that's owned by 11 different localities and is located here in our county. That's where the majority of our land is, but we also have some smaller privately owned sites. We have one park called Shadon Park that's got about 100 acres in it. About 80 of that would be for industrial. We have two or three other sites like that that don't need a lot of grading, or in some cases, the grading is done. The Economic Development Board has been really big on making sure that was the case. Talk about the one that's jointly owned by the 11 municipalities. That might interest our listeners out there who are trying to figure out how to do something like that. It's called Virginia's First, and it's got a real long name after that, so we just call it Virginia's First. It's Virginia's First Industrial Development Authority, 
is the title. And it was established, I think, about 30 years ago and trying to prepare a mega site. We have ownership that includes uh, Roanoke County, Roanoke City, Montgomery County, which is to our north, which is where Blacksburg is, Giles County, Bland County, Piersburg, and of course, Pulaski. And I know I'm forgetting a couple, Craig County. And everybody has some ownership in it. And the idea was that we would be able to offer land to companies that would want to come and do a mega site. And that's where we actually put the greenhouse, which is called Red Sun Farms. All of the tax dollars that would be collected there are actually given to Virginia's first so that they can actually put the money back into the industrial park. They've funded a road through there. The thing that makes it so unique, Chad, is that it is attached to the New River Valley Airport. And the New River Valley Airport has the seventh longest airstrip in the state of Virginia. It's a little over 6,000 feet long. They do a lot of cargo. One of their main customers is Volvo Truck. There's a lot of cargo that comes out of there. They do DC-9s and DC-10s. Of course, it's also a um, general aviation airport on top of that. Thank you, Michael. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back with a lot more with Michael Solomon right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what? sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to Lois location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success one of the things that struck me about your area is you've got a lot of foreign-owned companies there a lot of fdi if i remember yeah. i mean you had a lot yeah. of different flags as we drove around the industrial <laughs> parks i told everybody that I had to go to Southwest Virginia to see the world. And uh, (laughs) we have a Colombian plastics company. They make all the Keurig K-cups for Keurig. We have a candle company that was originally from Poland. It actually has been bought by a German company called Gala Group. And they do candles for Ikea and Walmart and others. And they do private labels for different companies. We've got a Brazilian foam company called Konania that was recruited here. And of course, Volvo is Swedish. A lot of people don't know this. The Volvo car company is different, and I believe it's Chinese-owned, whereas the Volvo truck company that make the semis, that's actually a Swedish company still. They also own Mack truck, and all the Mack cabs are actually painted here in Dublin as well. And then Red Sun Farms I talked about, 
is a Canadian-Mexican company. So it's a true NAFTA company. So those are just a few, but yes, we've been really lucky. We like to think we're really open to different countries, different cultures. We're kind of a one-stop shop. We help everybody with any of the issues they might have. And that's been success for us talking to these foreign companies. Well, I know you're an Arkansas boy originally, and it looks like y'all have got a good coach now. He's, uh, oh, he's turned Arkansas around in a year. It's really but, shocking. I'll tell you what, every summer, like everybody else in the SEC, I drink the Razorback Kool-Aid, and you always drink your team's Kool-Aid, and you're sure this is your year. But to watch that guy and the way he interacts with the players and the assistants he's brought in, I just – Man, it's a great year to be a Razorback fan. And, yeah, he uh, ought to be the coach of the year. Uh, I mean, and I even, even the games he's lost, he's been competitive in. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. I know you did economic development in Kansas. I don't know. If, did you do it in Arkansas? Just walk us I through did. some of your past stops, how you ended up in Virginia. I, I did. So I went to the University of Arkansas, and when I got done at the University of Arkansas, I, my first stop, I actually worked for uh, Tyson Foods, as a production supervisor. So I have a little bit of a manufacturing background. And then after that, I went to JBI Trucking and JBI Transport and uh, managed a fleet of trucks there for them. And then from there, I went to work for a city in Arkansas called Lowell, Arkansas, which is in the Northwest Arkansas corridor. And I did economic development and planning there. And left there to go to Goodland, Kansas, where I was the economic developer. Goodland, Kansas is right on the Kansas-Colorado border. And Virginia is, that's where I went to high school. And that's my, my family's home. That's where we're all from, actually Northern Virginia. But this was as close as I wanted to get to Northern Virginia. The mountains called me and the rural atmosphere and living in a smaller community. That's always been important to me in my whole professional career. I've been in smaller towns and rural towns and uh, just couldn't be happier here. It's been a really great experience and we've been very fortunate in the companies we've been able to bring in and the expansions we've been having. So how'd you get into the industry? I remember, weren't you a mayor? Didn't you run for mayor? I did. I had ran for mayor and always been interested in politics and in local government and was working for J.B. Hunt and a man named Perry Long won the mayor's race and asked me if I would come and work for him. And he's been a great mentor of mine and helped me. And I ended up going to work for the city. And that was the first time they had had an economic developer in Lowell. And we worked with the Chamber of Commerce and I also did planning there. And he decided he didn't want to run again and asked me if I'd be willing to run. And one of the bigger mistakes of my life, I said, yes. And it was miserable. Uh, I don't think I ever want to run again. I have so much respect for elected officials having going through that. And after I lost the race, I had a chance to go to Goodland and be an economic developer there. And I have really enjoyed working with and for local governments. Thank you, Michael. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back with a lot more with Michael Solomon right after this.
In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members, and if you want to join the movement, go to the nextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more. All right. Well, Michael, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. Anything you want to share with our listeners that I might not have asked you about? If you're ever on I-81 and want to stop by, I'd love to see you. I'd love to talk to anybody in economic development or site selection just to, to ask about rural sites and about this part of Virginia. I would be happy to answer any of your questions and be able to tell you more about what we and about what the region has going on. Yeah, you were my first official meeting after COVID, so I will always remember. <laughs> I had done nothing but Zoom calls for like four months, and your group actually said we want to meet in person, which was good because it got me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I visited a company in North Carolina a week and a half ago. It was an industrial plant down there and was talking to them about possible expansion. I think things are really starting to open up. They're traveling again within their company and they're going to their different facilities. And I think they had six or seven plants around the United States and they're visiting all of them. And I'm hearing that more and more and we're seeing more traffic in our area and our industrial plants. They're all starting to move. Well, I tell you just anecdotally, Yesterday, when I walked over to my office, there were more people down here in New Orleans mulling around than I've seen in a year. I can't prove it. That's just what I noticed. And so we've been really locked down. It actually, yesterday, for the first time in forever, it felt like a city again, not just, you know, a remote right. place where, where nobody was. But unfortunately, the bad side of it, we've had a huge refinery down here in St. James Parish close. And they closed because the demand of oil and gas is down. People aren't traveling as much. You know, the right. airplanes aren't using as much fuel and so forth. So they announced last week they're shutting this plant. 700 employees, but more than that, $24 million in taxes to the parish, which down here a county is yeah. a parish. The school's budget's going to go down like, I think, 15%. The parish's budget's going down 25%. And the sheriff's budget's going down 20%. All because of this. And so, thank goodness, looks like maybe they found a vaccine. You know, the economic ramifications of staying shut down longer, it's just unbelievable. And I saw it firsthand with that article yesterday of this oil refinery closing in St. James Parish. I know you guys have been doing a lot. You've been talking about reshoring and things coming back. And I do think that's going to happen. You know, I don't think this is going to be a bounce right back recovery. But I know we're getting a lot of calls now because people are still have needs out there. And, you know, things like the oil refinery that you were talking about, as our economy starts to come back, I'm hoping that those reopen and we see that increase. We're certainly seeing that here. March and April were really bad for us, but the manufacturers we have are starting to come back. So I'm hoping, hoping that's the case. And I hate to hear that about that refinery, but hopefully they'll start coming back. We've had three or four calls since election day from manufacturers talking to us about site selection projects. So nearly every election I go through, it seems like that happens. The month or two yeah. before everybody holds on, doesn't know what they're going to do. And so 
I think hopefully just since then, maybe we're going to see it open back up. But I absolutely thought yesterday when I walked to my office, this feels like a city again for the first time Uh, since February. So maybe we've turned some kind of a, some kind of a corner because I feel so sorry. You know, people keep feeling sorry for us since we're business owners and I tell them we're fine. We don't need a location. I feel so sorry though, for these restaurants and hotels uh, and all, you know, these type people, because many of them invested their whole life savings and how could they have possibly, they can't be expected to forecast something like this happening. And then to be totally shut down is really bad. My brother, he has partners, but he has three different establishments in Washington, DC. He has a, a couple of bars and a restaurant. You know, they're making it through, but they're having to be real creative. You know, their patios are open. They're trying to do everything they can. It has been really tough on them. All right, Michael. Well, thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. Give these folks your website in case they want to see where y'all are. And we'll also put it in their email. All right. It's www.pulaskicounty.org. Michael's one of our movement members, so thank you for joining that as well. You bet. You bet. And uh, thank you guys for doing that, and thanks for everything you guys are doing uh, for the industry. I really appreciate it. All right.